The following program is being brought to you on the Green Talk Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit thegreentalknetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues, Ocean River Shields of Achilles, with your host, Dr. Rob Moyer. Find out what others are doing and what you can do to create a greener and blue planet Earth. Now, here's Dr. Rob Moyer. Live from Ocean River Institute, World Headquarters and Coffee Cooler in Harvard Square, I'm Rob Moyer, and with me today are Dr. Pyotr Pisarevich, of the Rushing River Institute. He returns with tales of government permitted withdrawals and hot effluent discharges into a vital cool, vital cold stream river threatening salmon and indigenous fish. Also with me are the attorney Meg Sheehan and Jana Chickwick, Chickwin, uh, of the Concerned Citizens of Russell, who will be joining our show as well. Uh, today we're going to talk about the Westfield River which flows through western Massachusetts. Uh, it empties into the Connecticut River at West Springfield. It flows down through the Berkshires. It's about 497 square mile drainage area with, many, with several tributaries in it, and it runs a total of 78.1 miles. So it rises in the northwest corner of the Berkshire Hills and flows generally southeastern, southeastward Lee, to join the Connecticut River at West Springfield. At one time, the river was very polluted, that it, would, it was so polluted it would change the color based on the nature of the contaminants that were being put into the lower West, Westfield River. Today, the river is much cleaner, and it's possible to swim in it. It's a state and locally managed river featuring native, trish, native trout fishing. Uh, salmon's Salmon have been, there's been salmon restoration work to restore salmon into the Westfield River. And there's rugged mountain scenery um, that's all set in the context of these mill town settlements along the river. It, today it provides about 50 miles of whitewater canoeing and kayaking. Uh, I had the fortune of being up there for the April canoe races, and uh, people came from all over to, uh, to paddle the, the Westfield River. The river corridor also contains one of the largest roadless wilderness areas remaining in Massachusetts, and it's the home for several endangered species. Uh, the area was originally inhabited by the Poco, Poco Tuck tribe and was called Wananoco, meaning the winding land. And it was settled back in 1639 up from Connecticut and became part of Massachusetts in 1647. Uh, was and eventually um, the town uh, became known as Streamfield and then became Westfield when it was an independent town in 1669. Uh, Westfield's an interesting industrial town that uh, is known for um, buggy whips 
and I recommend that you check out the Whip City Brewery if you're in town there, too. Uh, the, the city is also known for, um, at the it, beginning of the 20th century, it was the center of the pure food movement, an effort to require stricter standards on the production of food. And Lewis B. Allen, a Westfield resident and pure foods expert for McClure, lived in Westfield until his murder. Now, I don't, that's a funny way to put it. And if anyone knows more about that, uh, Mr. Westfield's demise, I'd be happy to hear about it. Drop me a line or something. But in 1906, Congress did pass the Pure Food and Drug Act of 1906, thanks to the work of Westfield, Massachusetts. Um, this, this is a very old, old mountain range that the uh, Westfield River comes down through, uh, the Berkshire Hills, um, and it, it actually is the old, uh, there are volcanic trap rock along, the, along um, the western side, and the other side is a different rock that um, dates back to when there was an ocean between uh, this continent and that, and what's left is this uh, split of rock running along the valley of the Westfield River and into the Connecticut that once separated two continents. So the Westfield River was flowing before there was a Colorado River out west, before there was a Grand Canyon, and it was there when the first salmon started evolving, the first fish started to evolve to salmon. Um, so I could go on, but I'd like to um, bring in um, Jana Chickwin, who is a Russell resident, and she's with me here today. Jana, how are you? I'm great. How are you, Rob? Good. So what what brought you to um, to to live in, in in I mean it says here that you know the wildlife is it's just phenomenal wildlife so close to an industrial urban center uh, that is kind of unique, you know, and the reports of moose and and uh, other uh, uh, animals that were not gone from the area for a long time are now being seen back in your area. Is this true? Yes. Um, we've had a moose run through our yard. I oh, see my gosh. Bald, I see bald eagles flying up the um, river channel when I'm doing my dishes. Uh, we've had a bobcat waltz through the yard as if he owned the place. It's wonderful. And now, can you see the river from your house? Yes, I'm right on the impoundment that um, the proposed withdrawal would be taken from. It's a lovely fishing and swimming hole, um, and it's it's in between very steep uh, mountains that go straight down to the river at a very steep grade. Uh, and there's a dam there. I don't know what when the dam dates back to, but um, the, it used to be, before the dam was put in, it was called Salmon Falls. It was a spectacular place to watch bear come and grab the fish out of the air. I, uh, if people are interested in seeing what uh, Jan is talking about, uh, you can go to the Ocean River uh, website, oceanriver.org, and we have posted pictures there of uh, around Russell, of the Westfield River plunging through there. Um, and uh, Jana is with the Concerned Citizens of Russell. Do you have a website? Yes, concernedcitizensofrussell.org. So you can also go to concernedcitizensofrussell.org for more information about this. Yeah, apparently Wikipedia tells me that the river has three widely separated cascades dropping about 50 feet that figure into its development. So the, the site for the, um, 
for the biomass generator is right at one of those cascades, is it not? That sounds right, yes. And um, so I guess um, let's hear about this uh, biomass generator. Okay. It's a proposed 50-megawatt wood-burning power plant. It would burn a ton of wood a minute, uh, and it would take up to 885,000 gallons of water out of the Westfield River in any given 24-hour period and discharge 115,000 warm and chemically treated water back into the river. Uh, The river is gorgeous. It is the site of the country's oldest continually running canoe race, which you mentioned you were privileged to visit in in April, and we were so happy to have you out there. Um, Oldest canoe race. Yeah. Uh, It used to be the the Pocahontas River River, Indians running up and down the river, and now it's, yeah, that's great. Yeah, so, um, and but in the summer, it it really suffers. It, It becomes very low. It looks to me like the creek that I grew up on. And uh, it becomes really a uh, number of places without getting your knees anywhere near getting wet. And the rocks are covered with algae because there's a high phosphorus content. And um, the river just does not have enough water, really, at, at present um, to be as healthy as it should be. And a lot of people are concerned about that. Uh, you mentioned the Atlantic Salmon Restoration Project. There they have proven that salmon actually have spawned in the river. So these are restored salmon that are acting like they've always been there, which is considered basically a modern miracle. Um, but these dams and these really low flows, you know, really threaten the success of that program in the long term. Um, and so locally, we, we had tremendous concern for the river as soon as this was proposed. We have expert fly fishermen out there, a wonderful sports shops, BG Sporting, and that does almost all the stocking in the river, and just very knowledgeable local people who had tremendous concern. Uh, however, the proponent, Russell Biomass, um, had very um, expensive big science and crunched a lot of numbers and had um, expert advertising um, agency, uh, Darby O'Brien, working on their side, and they did they knew that they had a real vulnerability um, touching the river and that that's one of the things that brings people together out there. And so they did a lot of advertising and um, presented a lot of numbers that looked really good, you know, that they were taking a minuscule percentage of flow, that they were not anywhere near uh, threatening the river, et cetera, et cetera. And I, being a non-expert, um, you know, there were times that I would look at their advertising and read all their numbers and think, well, maybe they've got it. You know, I was, I was an activist against the project because of impacts on the forest, impacts uh, locally, um, impacts on air quality, all kinds of things. And they devoted so much effort to proving that they were not going to harm the river that there were times that I thought, well, I don't, you know, I look at the river and I think that sounds crazy, but... Maybe they've got it. I would. I talked to the... Mm. Janet, this, this program is, as you know, is about how people can make a difference uh, to the environment to make it better. And it sounds like the citizens of Russell weren't buying the, what was they're being told about this. What is no, we weren't doing? buying it, but we didn't have the help we needed. And that's where Piotr and Meg come in because... Oh, great. Only and we're going to take a quick break, and we'll come back with Piotr and Meg and Janet Chickwin after the break. 
listening to the Green Talk Network for the latest in the sustainability and green movement for all of our futures, today and tomorrow. The Green Talk Network. Spread the green. All together Connecting local stewardship with global support, the Ocean River Institute is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work. We believe that many environmental issues can best be addressed by people taking action in their own communities and regions. It's not the large national entities, but the small, localized, or newly formed groups that often need help to achieve their goals. That's where the Ocean River Institute comes in. We maintain a network of eco-stewards and ORI partners, connecting them with resources and services to help them maximize their impact, expand their capacity, and weather unexpected setbacks. ORI actions and events offer opportunities to make a difference, to go the distance, and you can volunteer to be an ORI eco-steward. To discover more, visit us online at www.oceanriver.org. That's www.oceanriver.org. The Ocean River Institute is a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work through environmental stewardship and science. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. So many key world issues today relate to energy and environment. We are living in a time where world events set us up for a major transformation of our society. Enter Dr. Bernie Balkan. Dr. Balkan is Commissioner for Energy and Transport for the Sustainable Development Commission in the UK. Whether it's the financial crisis, China's transformation, the emergence of India, or Obama's ascension, put yourself on the pulse of today's changes. Listen for Environment on the Edge with Dr. Bernie Balkan, Tuesdays at 10 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Green Talk Network. Keep listening to the Green Talk Network for the latest in the sustainability and green movement for all of our futures, today and tomorrow. The Green Talk Network. Spread the green. All together now. Connecting local stewardship with global support, the Ocean River Institute is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work. We believe that many environmental issues can best be addressed by people taking action in their own communities and regions. It's not the large national entities, but the small, localized, or newly formed groups that often need help to achieve their goals. That's where the Ocean River Institute comes in. We maintain a network of eco-stewards and ORI partners, connecting them with resources and services to help them maximize their impact, expand their capacity, and weather unexpected setbacks. ORI actions and events offer opportunities to make a difference, to go the distance, and you can volunteer to be an ORI eco-steward. To discover more, visit us online at www.oceanriver.org. That's www.oceanriver.org. The Ocean River Institute is a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work through environmental stewardship and science. 
Keep listening to the Green Talk Network for the latest in the sustainability and green movement for all of our futures, today and tomorrow. The Green Talk Network. Spread the green. You're listening to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. To participate in today's discussion, you're welcome to call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send an email to rob at oceanriver.org. Now, back to Dr. Rob Moyer. We're back, and we're talking about the Westfield River today. It's a river that flows through the Berkshires of Massachusetts, western Massachusetts, right on the fault line of where two continents once came together and created Pangaea and then have separated to create the Atlantic Ocean further east of the Westfield. Uh, but you can still see the steep escarpments falling a thousand feet of granite down into the um, river uh, that, that is carved through that stone as the Westfield. And... Um, Salmon and other kinds of wildlife have been repopulating the area and returning after many after centuries. And now the locals are concerned that a plan for a biomass electric generator facility will um, leave the environment better, worse off than they first find it. And with me to talk about um, the situation there at the Westfield River is Meg Sheehan, who's an attorney of law. And she lives in western Massachusetts, so she's in the thick of it. Hi, Meg. How are you? I'm great, Rob. How are you? Good. So um, tell us about some of the legal perspective of this uh, creating, building an electric utility there on the shores of Russell. Well, this is part of a conflict that's playing out throughout the country, actually. And we are all trying to address climate change and the 51 states have enacted these laws that promote renewable energy, such as wind, solar, and geothermal, and have also included biomass in those laws. But the biomass plants have an environmental footprint that is far worse than that of coal. And in particular, with regard to water, these plants are getting free water. In the situation in Russell, the company is not being able to not being required to pay for the water that it's going to take for free from the Westfield River. If you or I had to purchase that water for our homes, we'd have to pay for it. And we, Would they we do things differently if they had to pay for the water? Excuse me? Would they do things differently if they had to pay for the water? Their operating costs would certainly be a lot higher, and their profits would be fewer. This plant is going to make $1 billion in profits over 30 years, using free water while the community pays the price of having polluted air, polluted water, and a river that's further degraded because of the withdrawal and the evaporation of 80% of that water and the discharge of this toxic plume. And really what's happening here is that 30 years' worth of advocacy and effort um, by millions of people across the country to enact the clean Water Act, and other laws to protect our environment are being compromised in the name of clean and green renewable energy that really is neither. And well, I understand the EPA is, is looking into this before permitting or something. 
Well, the EPA has to issue a discharge permit for methyl biomass in order for it to dump its toxic effluent into the Westfield River. And the company has applied for a permit. EPA has issued a draft permit and will be taking public comments tomorrow night at the Russell Elementary School starting at 6.30. And that will be an opportunity for people to comment on the fact that here we have this river that is recovering from decades and hundreds of years of use as a sewer, basically, by industry along the river that have yes, that's right. and cleaned it up, and now we're turning back the clock. Right. So if people would like to testify, please come to Russell, and information is available at our website, www.oceanriver.org. Also, the Ocean River Institute is collecting comments from people around the world. Uh, we have about a thousand comments to present and letters signed to, with addresses to present on Thursday. And if you would like to add your name from far away, you can do that at our website where the letter is, and we ask you to let a comment. Uh, perhaps if there's time later, I'll read some of the comments that we've gotten from uh, all over. All the most of the states of, of the Union have of the United States have. Um, have contributed comments. Uh, Jana, so tell us more about, uh, not Jana, I'm sorry, Meg. Um, I interrupted you, I guess, and, and we were talking about um, the hearings coming up and, yeah. Right, the hearing will be coming up and EPA um, has issued this permit. Now, the Federal Clean Water Act requires, well, it says that we're supposed to restore and maintain our waters. And, in order to accomplish that goal, the federal government is required to identify rivers and water bodies that might be what they call impaired due to various pollutants. And in fact, the Westfield River is impaired for some pollutants, even though it has made a lot of progress, it's still in a very fragile state. It's impaired for phosphorus as well as turbidity, and these are things that cause the algae growth that Jana has, was talking about, about her observations of seeing the rocks covered with algae, green and brown slime, basically. And before any further phosphorus or turbidity, turbidity can be added to this river, the state of Massachusetts is required to have a cleanup plan. Well, Massachusetts has been shucking and driving on this cleanup plan for at least 15 years. And EPA, under prior administrations, has refused to require the state to come up with a cleanup plan. So until that cleanup plan is in place, no further actions, discharges that would make the situation worse are allowed under federal law. And while we appreciate EPA's detailed draft permit, it has some very good um, conditions in there, we still have a long way to go to ensure that this river is not further degraded, and it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that when you're going to take up to 885,000 gallons a day out of that river, reduce the flow even further than what Jana observed, and you're going to dump more concentrated pollution into it, but there's less water to dilute the pollution. And to add insult to injury, this poor river not only has um, a couple of miles downstream, the wastewater treatment plant for the city of 
we're a field that causes a lot of this um, impairment due to the phosphorus and the algae growth. But the Secretary of Environmental Affairs in Massachusetts has approved another potential power plant, a 400-megawatt natural gas plant in Westfield that is going to evaporate almost another 2,000, I'm sorry, 2 million gallons a day of water that would have otherwise contributed to this watershed, to the Connecticut River, of which the Westfield is a tributary. So we really have multiple assaults on this river. And Meg, help me out here. So the West, the, there's going to be a utility in Westfield that will be drawing two to three times as much water as Russell Biomass out of the Westfield? It will actually be taking it out of the Manhan Reservoir. Okay. Um, is downstream, but that water, again, would have gone into this Connecticut River watershed, um, and it's not going to be there to help dilute Russell Biomass's pollution. Right. Wow, it's a lot of different fronts that we have to be working on. There, uh, they are, and um, this power plant will generate only 0.25% of the state's electrical needs, and look at the huge environmental costs that we'll be paying. People will be uh, going out for recreation on the Westfield River. I myself participated in the run of the river this spring. It was an incredible experience with the white water and the beautiful forests all along the banks of the river. And you come up to Russell, and all I could picture was four football fields, 40 feet high, of wood chips and this incinerator chugging away. Um, it really is disruptive to the values, the recreational, scenic, and historic values that resulted in this river being one of the first wild and scenic rivers uh, designated by Congress back in the 1990s. And it's just a tremendous insult to all of the efforts that have gone into trying to protect and save this globally significant river. This is so important. This, the Westfield River is flowing into the Boston-Washington urban corridor. So those of us who live in urban areas, we are so fortunate to have such wildlife so close to home. We shouldn't have to drive on a plane to you know, Yosemite or something. It's so important that we stand up and do this and speak for this issue. So we'll be back with Piotr and more of the ecology of the Westfield after this break. I Thank you for listening to the Green Talk Network. Help to spread the green by involving your family and friends. You're doing your part. Now help them think green. Spread the green. The Green Talk Network. Connecting local stewardship with global support, the Ocean River Institute is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work. We believe that many environmental issues can best be addressed by people taking action in their own communities and regions. It's not the large national entities, but the small, localized, or newly formed groups that often need help to achieve their goals. That's where the Ocean River Institute comes in. We maintain a network of eco-stewards and ORI 
partners, connecting them with resources and services to help them maximize their impact, expand their capacity, and weather unexpected setbacks. ORI Actions and Events offer opportunities to make a difference, to go the distance, and you can volunteer to be an ORI Eco Steward. To discover more, visit us online at www.oceanriver.org. That's www.oceanriver.org. The Ocean River Institute is a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work through environmental stewardship and science. Have questions about wind power? Listen for the TLG Wind Power Hour with Terry from TLG Wind Power Products. He'll cover the ins and outs of wind energy with you, whether you're a do-it-yourselfer or want a ready-made product. Let Terry give you the know-how and understanding of making wind energy work for you. Terry will share decades of hands-on experience so that you don't have to learn about wind power the hard way. The TLG Wind Power Hour, live every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Green Talk Network. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Listening to the Green Talk Network. Help to spread the green by involving your family and friends. You're doing your part. And now help them think green. Spread the green. The Green Talk Network. You're listening to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. To participate in today's discussion, you're welcome to call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send an email to rob at oceanriver.org. Now, back to Dr. Rob Moyer. Hi, we're talking about the Westfield River today. With me is Jana Chickwin of Concerned Citizens of Russell, uh, Meg Sheehan from uh, Williamstown, Massachusetts, and Pyotr Peserovich from the Rushing River Institute. Um, and they all have websites well, close to those names that you can uh, visit to learn more about it. We're having the show today, Wednesday, August 12th, because Thursday, August 13th, the EPA is holding a hearing in Russell, Massachusetts, uh, about permitting the effluent discharge from the Russell Mass Biomass Utility, the Russell Biomass Utility, um, to be built in Russell there. If you'd like to add your comments and stand up and say something about what you think about this, you may do so at the Ocean River Institute website, oceanriver.org, uh, and there it will lead you through the Westfield River and to a letter that people are writing comments to. We've gathered about a 1,000 uh, names and many hundreds of comments that will be submitted. So please uh, check that out for more information. Uh, it's a great pleasure to have, returning to the program, uh, Pyotr Peserovich, who's a river scientist and uh, was involved in uh, testifying on the ecology of the Westfield River um, to the state and now probably to the feds coming up tomorrow. 
Hi, Piotr. How are you? Hey, hello. I'm very well. And you? We're doing great. I just wish it wasn't so challenging for those salmon and fish in the river there. Uh, well, the times are always challenging them, and they are getting even more challenging with global climate change. Uh, as I mentioned last time, we scientists are really concerned that uh, after the long history of industrial uh, devastation, our rivers that are starting to come back are then being very strongly and sharply hit with uh, uh, warming up water, with having less water, and all the these animals and species that we invested millions of dollars to restore are basically disappearing, may disappear. And um, I was involved in the Westfield River uh, because of the water allocation permit, and I've reviewed science that has been, as Jana mentioned, so publicized, it's uh, showing no impact and uh, statements like, well, we barely take any water, and then uh, there will be, therefore, there will be no impact on the river. And I was uh, pretty surprised because I was able to find a lot, a lot of problems with the background science that has been used for the decision. Um, Such as? That's really, uh, this was really surprising. And uh, uh, I was, uh, I alerted, you know, I provided testimony and alerted other people that uh, this is probably not the way we want to do, especially that we are proposing green energy project that is getting funding from our taxpayers to protect our environment and at the same time has uh, a great potential to, to damage the environment. And that's, that's uh, uh, something that is uh, pretty shocking and uh, contradictory. So um, this was, uh, you know, just give you some facts. This river, it's a really beautiful river and, and uh, it flows through a lot of um, gravel beds, but it still has a lot of little dams, industry. It, I, when I was there last time, the air was smelling from, from uh, the other chimney stacks from other industries. And it also still has big, two big floodwater reservoirs that modify the flows uh, in the river. So uh, what Jana was, uh, was observing, uh, that it's getting too warm uh, or there's algae growth, it's not only because of have um, climate change, but also there is a flow manipulation from many different sources already on the river. And the first thing that, that sort of struck me is that this impact has not been taken into consideration, that the Russell biomass is being considered and the impact in complete isolation of the fact that this is right at the site of proposed new hydropower plant, this is right next to wastewater treatment plant. All this, and, and then upstream and downstream, we have further reservoirs. It has been that people, that the science has, was way too coarse. For example, there were no flow measurements at the site. There were no temperature measurements at the site where we would expect the impact, or at least not enough. Well, there were, there were some sporadic measurements of temperature, for example, that have shown already that water is too warm for salmon. And so we know that we have problems already, and then we use low measurements that are five miles upstream in the river that is that is getting a lot of water from the ground and is losing a lot of water to the gravel, and this is just inaccurate. Just it's inaccurate, inaccurate to apply that information downstream at the Russell site because the aquifer is different there or something? That's right. Well, if you have 
a lot of you might have, in the rivers you might have a lot of water at one place and very little water either upstream or downstream. Frequently, it happens that rivers like like uh, Westfield are settled within uh, gravel aquifers. The water can flow into the river from the groundwater, or it can flow from the river into groundwater. So that you measure some amount of water five miles downstream doesn't mean that you will measure the same amount of water further downstream. And we have observations that, and photos that indicate that actually the river might be losing water. And so the further downstream we go, well, the less water we have in some place. Or I, was, was, I was surprised how much gravel is in that area, you know, along, walking along the river and, and with you and Russell. And it turns out that after the glacier melted, Lake Hitchcock... Um, sat on the Connecticut Valley, this large lake, and a finger of Lake Hitchcock came up the, up the Westfield to about Russell, which is why, you know, gravel is being dropped right there and not, you know, down in Hartford or something. Right. So this is, this, this is, this was in my eyes inadequate. Further, there were a number of issues that, you know, there were no, the models that have been applied were very poor, and we have a lot of, as I mentioned before, we have a lot of very good scientific tools that have not been used. That would be just these tools would be just adequate for this task, and they were not they were not used. They were just very simple estimates that wow. have been done for, for for telling how much impact there will be on the fauna in the river. And and I'm sorry, but estimates are not good enough. No, uh, no. There were no hydrologic models. There were no habitat models. Most grotesque part that I found is that the recommendations for the Russell biomass are contrary in some places to the requirements of Federal Energy Regulatory Commission that apply to the uh, to the hydropower plant, which is right at the same plant, right at the same place. So how can you regulate the flow in the river at the same spot and have two contrary requirements? You can't. That's a good point. So this was this this was something that uh, sort of caused a lot of concern. And then, of course, the one very important thing we, that we manage now our rivers without really looking uh, into the future, into the climate change. There was, there was some climate change analysis, but this was based not on the natural flows, but the flows that are coming from the reservoirs. Now, duh, these flows are obviously modified. That you right, they're being controlled upriver by the towns that have the dams. There are like two dams upriver, I guess. Yeah, and and then, then the decision is based on mean temperature values, like mean, you know, yeah. average temperature. Averages don't kill. It's right. mean temperature or, or extremely low flows that do kill the animals, and that's what we what, what needs to be drawn attention to. And then also the water pollution is is, is a function of dilution. If, if we know that there is not enough water in the river, not a drop of pollutant should be released. So... There is no plan, or at least the plan that I have seen is, in my eyes, not convincing that the Russell biomass will shut down at the moment if there is no water in the river. They could take water if there is a lot of water in the river, but if there is nothing, they need to shut down. Yeah, because there's no water. They have (laughs) one very viable option. They don't really need to take water from the river. They can cool the towers with the air, what is much more expensive. But that's why we need government to step in and, and permit and require things, I guess. That's right. So I'm, I'm hoping that uh, with our actions and, and trying to draw attention, we will, make, we will 
force the government to take to take appropriate action and apply the right science. I'm not saying that they had no goodwill, but right. they made a decision on on lack of right investment in the right science. And I was really surprised to see in one of the statements saying, "Well, if people don't like it, they should provide us with science that is to contrary." And there you have it. You have some of that science. Citizens, this is a task of the government to require the right science. Piotr, we're out of time, um, and I'd like to give. um, I want to thank you for all this test, all this information, and allow you know like sixty seconds each for um, Meg and then Jana to to sum up. Meg, I'll sum up by reiterating what Piotr said that this was basically junk science um, that was applied by the state in authorizing. The water withdrawal, the problems now being compounded by EPA allowing water to be discharged into this river. There is no firm cutoff. The EPA's witnesses testify they don't have to shut down at any point. They can seek an override without any public information. We've got a hydro plant going in at the same site, and it's just um, really too much of an assault on this river that's unsupported by science and is contrary to the law. Thank you. Jana? I would say that um, as a local activist, I cannot overstate the value of having people like Piotr and Meg and Mary Booth and Sue Bass and Carrie Mackin and Rob Moyer step into the situation and help us when we were helpless um, kind of at the mercy of their big science and their advertising. And we really, it was just a tremendous experience after years of drowning in this stuff to have these wonderful people step in. And listeners can help as well, right? They can help you at um, Concerned Citizen. And yes, their science was false. Thank you. Well, thank you, Jana, Piotr, Meg, for helping us learn more about the Westfield River And if you'd like to comment, visit our website. Um, And I'll be back after this break with the Ocean Champion, David Wilmot. Thanks so much, Rob. Thank you, Rob. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Green Talk Network. Help to spread the green by involving your family and friends. You're doing your part. Now help them think green. Spread the green. The Green Talk Network. All together now. All together now. Connecting local stewardship with global support, the Ocean River Institute is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work. We believe that many environmental issues can best be addressed by people taking action in their own communities and regions. It's not the large national entities, but the small, localized, or newly formed groups that often need help to achieve their goals. That's where the Ocean River Institute comes in. We maintain a network of eco-stewards and 
ORI partners, connecting them with resources and services to help them maximize their impact, expand their capacity, and weather unexpected setbacks. ORI actions and events offer opportunities to make a difference, to go the distance, and you can volunteer to be an ORI eco-steward. To discover more, visit us online at www.oceanriver.org. That's www.oceanriver.org. The Ocean River Institute is a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work through environmental stewardship and science. Experience higher love, an archangelic journey into ascended joy and authentic living. Your hosts, Sri Ram Ka and Kira Ra, will assist you to open your heart, expand your love, and be ever-present with true joy. Your journey with Sri and Kira begins right here on the 7th Wave Network with Higher Love, Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. The Green Talk Network is here. Spread the green. You're listening to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. To participate in today's discussion, you're welcome to call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send an email to rob at oceanriver.org. Now, back to Dr. Rob Moyer. We're back. Uh, we've been talking about the Westfield River, and if you want to think locally and become locally active and making a difference to save the planet, uh, saving this particular river is something you can do at our website, www.oceanriver.org. You can click on to the Westfield River or other projects. The Westfield River has a letter attached to it that you can write comments to that we'll deliver to the EPA on Thursday's hearing, August 13th, which is tomorrow at currently. Uh, we're now turning to our Ocean Champions moment. Uh, David Wilmont, the Executive Director of Ocean Champions, is with me today. Dave, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you today, Rob? Good. You're um, in Capitola? I am indeed. I'm in Central California on the Monterey Bay. I'm in, enjoying a, what looks like it'll be a beautiful day. Oh, that's great. So last week we talked about um, the um, harmful algal bloom legislation that, and you and Mike were off to attend a hearing about that. Uh, what's been happening on that green and slimy front? I, I have excellent news to report. Uh, just after the, the show last week, uh, Mike Dunmeyer and, and Patrick Collins did indeed attend the hearing, and the bill was unanimously passed by the Commerce Committee in the Senate, which now means it moves to. Uh, Action by the full Senate of, of floor vote ultimately will uh, will be made to get that passed in the Senate. So very exciting news. It was uh, it was great to, to see this moved along, and uh, we also have plans to move this in the House of Representatives. I mentioned also last week that during the, the recess right now, members of Congress are home in their states and district. Uh, we're working on getting that bill written and introduced in the House, and we'll be mobilizing people in early September to get uh, committee action there as well. You know, better remediating and mediating and researching uh, algal blooms, be they harmful or just um, less harmful red tides. Well, I guess red tide is a 
harmful algal bloom. Um, it's really important work you're doing. It, it seems remarkable how quickly the legislation moved forward on this particular item of ocean conservation. Now, is there more to this issue than just the science and the research and the mediation? The, the answer is yes. Of course, harmful algal blooms by themselves are a growing problem with big impacts, and we've talked about those, whether it's impacting fisheries, human health, tourism. Uh, the legislation will do things right now to make that better. Uh, but beyond that, we have the opportunity here to build relationships with important members of Congress. By strengthening those relationships, we build momentum for future successes. So while we want and will win on harmful algal blooms that will do good things for people who live on the coast and want to use the oceans, uh, more importantly, it's going to position us to do even bigger and better things for coastal communities and the oceans in the future. And that's what this is really all about. Well, it's very important work that, that's being done, and it's very important relationships. And so much of what we do comes back to the, the linkages and the networks that are created, uh, be they biological, ecological, or personal, uh, across the, the different spectrum of, of players. Um, so looking out on Capitol Hill on the horizon there, what do you see uh, looming large for August into September? There, there are a number of things happening, and, and I, I should let everybody know that we, we try very hard to connect what we're doing to, to the people who are part of Ocean Champions. We were tweeting live from the hearing. We make sure that this is up on the social networks, such as Facebook, as well as our websites, to really help people be part of it. Uh, not everyone can attend the hearing the way that Mike and Patrick did for Ocean Champions, uh, but they can be part of it, and they can be part of it live. Uh, the technology makes that possible. So coming up, there, there are some other exciting issues that we'll also be trying to keep people informed about and mobilize them at, at the right times. Uh, the president has taken action in establishing an interagency task force looking at what's called the national ocean policy. This is a huge issue of trying to establish a vision for what we're going to do with our oceans and how we're going to manage our oceans. And this is a, a big step forward. And there is a public comment period. So in the coming weeks, we'll be telling people what some of these opportunities are and what this may mean. Big action by the president, but we need to make sure that it follows through and ends up uh, with something very, very real for all of us. The first public hearing is in Anchorage on August 21st, so we have a little time to talk about that next week. Uh, then the energy climate bill that a lot of people I know are following and tracking. There was action in the House. Now we're trying to get movement in the Senate. Uh, we'll be talking about that as well, letting people know how this impacts and relates to the oceans, the issues such as ocean acidification, climate change, CO2, directly linked to a lot of things happening in the oceans, and we'll let folks know what's happening on Capitol Hill there. Again, what they can do to help make a difference and then what it looks like the outcomes will be. Wow, a lot happening. Now, the interagency task force for ocean policy sounds reminiscent of, you know, the work of the Pew Ocean Commission and, and, and an earlier government uh, uh, task force. Um, are, are we um, reinventing wheels, or why is this necessary? There, there is a lot of process here. Uh, we've tried to get action in the Congress and, and have not been able to get legislation. So when the new president came in, there was an opportunity here to have him take executive action to get this issue moving. That's where we are right now. 
how far is it going to go, that's really going to depend on how much they hear from people across the country. Uh, we see on the health care issue what happens when people speak out. Uh, it's really been fascinating. I was at a town hall meeting last night with a 1,000 people in Santa Cruz. Uh, it's really interesting to see what happens when people speak up. If we can get people to attend the public hearings and speak up, President Obama, I have no doubt, will act on this issue, uh, and it will be more than just an exercise in process. That's what we don't need more of. Absolutely, and this is what we found here in Massachusetts was we put together, there was a task force put together, and then that led to a whole initiative for comprehensive state legislation. And uh, it's, a, it's so important to get the different silos of government to talk to each other. It's so difficult to step away from what your boss wants you to do to call your equal another agency and find out, you know, learn those, not to have to reinvent wheels that way and stuff. So it, it, it's exciting to see this happening on a, uh, on a national level. Well, the good news is the, the Obama administration didn't act to delay. They took action because they want to see something move. I believe that. Now it's our job, and I, I mean this our collectively, the American people, if we care about this issue, we're going to have to push them. Uh, things don't happen in Washington, D.C. without a lot of inertia. And so we have to push very hard if we want to see action here. So if people want to know more about this and they want to take action and stand with Ocean Champions, where do they go? They can come to our website, ocean, www.oceanchampions.org. They can follow us on Facebook. They can follow us on Twitter. Uh, but at our website, they can find all the information they need to track us down. Thank you, Dave. We still have a few more minutes. Um, let's, oh, no, maybe that's, just, that's it. Thank you, Dave, for your report on Ocean Champions. Thank you, Rob. Until next week, this is Moyer's Environmental Dialogues, Ocean River Shields of Achilles. Thanks for listening. again for joining us this week on Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. Please tune in for more with Dr. Rob Moyer next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Green Talk Network. We'll talk again then.